We welcome you to the service this morning. We're glad that you've chosen to come and worship with us. If you're here visiting with us, we're especially glad that you're here. We hope that you know that you're our honored guest, and we'd invite you and encourage you to come back at any time that you're able to come and be with us as we worship and praise God. If you are a visitor, I'm going to ask you to do something for us. If you would, there are some visitor's cards on the back table. We would ask you to fill one of those out and give it to one of the leaders following the service. Uh, so that we might have a record of your attendance here with us this morning. Uh, One month from today, uh, we will be starting a gospel meeting. I say one month from today. Uh, April 1st, since today is March 1st, or at least I hope it is. It's what my phone said when I opened it up this morning. Uh, April 1st, we'll be starting a gospel speak. Uh, He's down at Harlingen now. that gospel meeting, I'd encourage you to uh, put that on your calendars, uh, be ready for that. Um, I want you to take note uh, of the title of the lesson this morning, Uh, Who Are You on Thursday? And now we're going to look at Luke chapter 9. I'm going to encourage you to take a Bible and follow along, or whatever device you may have that you have an app on there that you can follow in the scriptures want that to detract from your following of the word, so if, uh, if you would, I'd ask you to take a Bible and follow along, even though I have the scriptures here on the board. I want you to notice uh, what Jesus is teaching here in Luke chapter 5, and I would ask you to continue to encourage him in the things that he does. Uh, Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 23, as Riley read, it says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. Now I want you to notice this set of verses. Whatever he is teaching here, here has to do with life and death. These aren't mere words that Jesus was sharing with the disciples, but in fact, whatever He was sharing here, He said, whoever will save His life shall lose it. And whoever will lose His life shall save it. I want you to notice that first verse, verse 23, because that's where we're going to take the lesson from. He's speaking to all of them, and he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I don't know if you uh, were listening closely while Riley was reading of the morning. He read from the New King James. All of mine. Uh, scriptures on the board are from the King James Version, uh, but there was a difference there in the, King ja- in the New King James Version uh, that's very important for you to note. And that's the term, will. It says, if any man will come after me, I believe in the New King James Version, it was desire. The meaning of that word will is desire or to choose. I want you to think about what Jesus was saying to his disciples and therefore to you and I. If any person 
if any man desires to come after me, if any man chooses to come after me, what must he do? I want you to notice that Jesus said, if you will be a follower of his, if you will be Christ's disciple, and dare I say, if you will say, I am a Christian, you must do whatever Jesus said here in verse 23. And Jesus said, here's what you got to do. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. Now I want you to notice there is a caveat there on taking up your cross, hence the title of the lesson, but we'll get to that later. He said you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and you have to follow. What does it mean to deny yourself? You know, when we think about denying ourselves, we think about denying ourselves things that we want or things that we desire. We think about the fact that there are things out there that we would like to have, and when I don't get those things, I have denied myself those things. But whatever Jesus was talking about had to be much more personal than that. It had to be much deeper than that because, in fact, he wasn't talking about his disciples having anything. He was talking about them being something. In Romans, the 12th chapter, in verse 1, Paul writes to the Romans, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You know, I made it a point uh, to call out the word will or desire there in verse 23. Uh, if you're marking in your Bible or if you're taking notes, uh, as some of my children do um, and some of the other kids are doing, uh, if you're taking notes, I want you to take note there in verse 1 of the word present. That you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. What does that word present mean? It means you've done something intentionally. You know, oftentimes when we think about what happens when we go through the obedience of being baptized and being put into Christ and Christ being put into us and being buried with Him, we think as though that's the opportunity where Christ has presented us a living sacrifice to the Father. But instead, Paul said this. Paul said, you choose. You make it a point to present yourself a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. That term present means to bring forward. 
If I had a gift this morning, which I don't, I wish I did. Uh, if I had a gift this morning and I were to walk up to Monty and I were to hand it to Monty, I would be presenting that to him. And Paul said, that's what you're to do. You know, sacrifice was something that the Jews understood well. In fact, if you go back to the early Jews and to the law of Moses, presenting sacrifices was something they understood. There was an altar there. They would take the animals that were to be sacrificed and they would present them to the priests. And the priests would present them to God on the altar. It wasn't something they just said, well, I'm raising animals out here. God, I tell you what, I love you and I understand you've got to have something, so I'll tell you what I'll do. Tonight, when I go to sleep, you just take whichever one you want. I haven't in the last couple of months mentioned my cows, so I have to mention them this morning. Uh, and I have to mention them because it's calving time. Uh, so... Uh, for those of us that, that love cows, and, and I love cows, uh, for those of us that love cows knows that calving time is a, is, a, is a big time of the year. It's like Christmas all over again for me. So every single day I go out and I, I see my cows and, and, and I call the girls. And, and the cool thing is all my girls, uh, Kelly and Corinna, Savannah, Jenna, and Emma, I remembered all of their names. We have a, a group text that I take a picture of the new calf and I send it out on the group text so everybody gets to see what new calves. And there's been a couple of days that we've had three in one day. And then there was one day when the snow was blowing so hard I had five that day. And the girls will tell you that uh, unfortunately I have uh, surpassed the numbers I ever imagined that I would have and that I first uh, desired to have. But... Um, I don't name all my cows anymore, uh, so, so the ones that get a name, those are, those are special to me. Uh, the ones that actually get a name, and there are some calves that have gotten names, uh, and they could tell you I have some favorites. Uh, you know what Romans 12 says is that, um, that I don't get to go out there and go, well, God, I, I understand, you know, uh, I've got to do this for the family, and and i got to do something. i tell you what, uh, whichever ones I need to have butchered, you, you just take them tonight and get them butchered. But instead, what it says is, I've got to go out there and I've got to look and I've got to say, hey, I've got to take my best ones because the family's depending on this. And I've got to choose those and I've got to take them to sacrifice. And Paul said, you know what, that's what you need to do with your life. You know, what he was talking about was uh, the great battle that we have. The great battle that we have internally, whether we realize it or not. The great battle that we have in the morning when we get up. Because we're living this life. And we're going through this pain. And we're achieving these things. Or, God gave us this life. God understands my pain. God has allowed me to choose in this life. 
because it can't be both. Either you live your life for you or you live your life for God. And Paul said, you have to make that choice. Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul writing to the church at Galatia said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know what Paul said? Paul said every morning when I get up, I realize that I'm living this life. But moreover, I realize that Christ came and gave His life for me. So I'm not living this life for me. Because the me was crucified with Him. I'm denying myself and living it for Him. You know, when Jesus was teaching His disciples there, He said not only did we have to deny ourselves, but we had to take up our cross. What does it mean to take up our cross? Over time, we've, uh, we've kind of given this statement by Christ a few different meanings. Uh, but what Jesus uh, was saying there, because Jesus had not yet gone and given his life on the cross, but taking up your cross, what does it mean? Does it mean you have to be crucified daily? Does it mean that there has to be something that's painful to you? And the answer is no. There's a cross-bearer that we learn about in Scriptures. His name was Simon the Serene. Simon the Serenian. What did he do? He bore the cross. He carried it. I want you to notice Matthew, the 24th chapter there. In Matthew, the 24th chapter, as we set up uh, the lesson, uh, set up what was being taught here, uh, beginning in verse 24, you'll have to recall... That James and John, their mother, had come to Jesus and said, Hey, when you come into your kingdom, I want you to let one of my sons sit on your right hand and the other son to sit on your left hand. And Jesus asked a number of questions about whether or not they were able to drink of the cup that he drank from and be baptized with the baptism that he had been baptized with. And he gave a response there. And it says there in verse 24, that when the ten heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. So you'll notice that there are twelve apostles. There are the twelve who were chosen, and they have all given everything they have, literally given everything they had. The Bible tells us that those twelve actually sold all of their possessions. That they gave everything they had in following Jesus. And so for that three-year period that he's going through life, that he's teaching, that he's called these twelve, these twelve apostles have literally given everything in order to follow him. And yet there's ten of them who are looking going, how in the world would these two ask for that? Do they think they're special? It says that the ten were filled with indignation, but Jesus called them unto him and said, you know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and they that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I want to pull out verse 26 and verse 27 of that. 
In Matthew, the 24th chapter, in verse 26 and 27, I want to read that again. It says, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister, and whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. I think it's wonderful the way Jesus said this, because he made it clear to the people. He said, I want you to understand something about the Gentiles. I want you to understand something about the people who are not in here. I want you to understand something about the world. The princes, the rulers, exercise dominion over them. And those who are great exercise authority over them. You know, things haven't changed outside of this group, outside of these walls, outside publicly. In fact, to the extent that even this morning, as Monty prayed, he prayed for leaders, not only locally, but nationally and internationally. Why? Because the way that groups of people come together and are governed hasn't changed even since those times. He said the princes, the rulers, they exercise dominion over the Gentiles. And those who are great exercise authority over them. But notice what Jesus said. He said, it is not so among you. It is not so among you. And then he said this. Whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Uh, if you're not familiar with that term minister, uh, that term minister means servant. He said if there's going to be one great among you, he's your servant. Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. You may remember years ago, I gave a lesson uh, on John 14 and about the upper room and about what Jesus was teaching his disciples in the upper room, uh, John 13. And in John 13, we showed that Jesus was willing to bow himself and put him in himself in not only a vulnerable, but in the lowest position in washing their feet. And he said that he was teaching them to do two things. To serve and to love. You know, Jesus said, that's how it would be among us. That we would not only deny ourselves, but that we would serve. And finally, Jesus said, not only would we deny ourselves and take up our cross, but that we would follow him. I want you to understand what it means to follow. In Psalm 23, David wrote this psalm about the Father, and he said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's 
sake. I'll tell you something about those of us who always look back at Denver, because I know Denver knows exactly where I'm coming from when I talk about cows. Um, if, uh, if you've ever been out to my cows with me, or if you ever want to go, you're welcome to go, because I love my cows. But I will tell you this, my cows know when my truck enters the field. Had a calf last night, it wasn't doing very good, and I couldn't figure out who its mama was. So I put hay out. The moms all scattered around the hay. Most of the calves followed, but one didn't. So you know what I did? I started honking my horn, and I took 64 cows and 25 out of 26 calves right over to where the one calf was. You know why? Because they knew who to follow. Because they knew I'm the one that feeds them. They knew I'm the one that leads them where they need to go. When I think they need water, all I have to do is drive out into the group of them, honk my horn, and I'll bring them to the water. You know what David said? David said, I know the one that leads me. David said, I know where, who's going to take me to the water. I know who's going to feed me. I know who's going to put me in a place of safety and a place of peace. I know the one whose paths... I want to follow. If you don't think that that's important about David, then maybe you need to go and study about the life of David. David actually had a whole lot of strength that a lot of us don't have. David was king. David was a king after God's own heart. And David said, it's not me that feeds me, it's the Lord. It's not me that guides my own paths, it's the Lord. It's not me that will get me to a place of peace, it's the Lord. In Romans the 8th chapter and verse 1, Paul writes, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. He repeated a similar statement there in Galatians 5 when he wrote to the church at Galatia. In Galatians 5 and verse 25, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. You know, Paul, as he was talking to the Romans, talked about this internal struggle that he had that the flesh wanted to do something, that the flesh had certain desires it wanted to take care of. But Paul knew that there had to be a struggle, that that spirit had to fight that, so that he would walk after the spirit. And you notice that Paul said it's important that we understand that if we're going to live in him, and he is going to live in us. Before I lose that mind. If He is going to live in us, and we're going to call ourselves Christians, and we're going to follow Him, then we have to walk as we talk. That we have to walk or live after the Spirit. But wait. Before you give up on the lesson, we're not done. When? 
win. If you don't take anything else from this lesson this morning, I want you to ask yourself this question. Who am I on Thursday? Why did I choose Thursday? Approximately, and I'd say approximately because uh, there's no way to know, but approximately one-seventh of your life is lived on Thursday. For you math guys in the room, that's 14.28% of your life will be lived on a Thursday. I just had to throw that percentage out there. I checked it on my calculator right before church started just to make sure that was right. One-seventh of your life. Over 14% of your life is lived on a Thursday. Another seventh of your life, another 14.28% is lived on Tuesdays. That's 28.56% of your life that is lived on Tuesday and Thursday combined. Is anybody getting the picture here? You see, I get about... Well, today, I think I'm going to give you some time back. I get about 30 minutes, sometimes 45 minutes to an hour uh, to stand up here with you. And all together, we're here usually on a Sunday for about an hour and a half. But who are you on Thursday? Look at Luke 9, verse 23, Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Do you live for him on Tuesdays? Do you live for him on Thursday? Or is Sunday the Lord's day? So you live for him then, and the rest is for you. You know what Jesus was telling his disciples here was that I need you on Monday. And I need you on Tuesday. And I need you on Wednesday. And Thursday. And Friday. And Saturday. And thank you so much for following me on Sunday but I need you the other six-sevenths of your life. I need you the other 85 and three-quarter percent of your life. That's what makes you a disciple. First Thessalonians, the fifth chapter, Paul said, But of the times and the season, brethren, we have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. You are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch 
and be sober. You know what Paul said? Paul said, here's the great thing for disciples. Here's the thing of peace for disciples. You don't have to worry about whether or not it's a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Friday when he comes to take you home. And here's why. Because if you're a disciple, you've denied yourself. You've taken up your cross and you've followed him. And you've done it every day. If you're not a child of God this morning, there's no time like the present. As Paul made clear to the church at Thessalonica, uh, God will choose the time. Don't let that time come as a thief in the night for you. Make your calling and election sure this morning. Recognizing that you too need to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. And in order to start that journey, you have to be obedient to his will. Being buried with him in baptism, arising to walk in the newness of life, becoming a child of God. If you are a child of God this morning and we can pray with you or for you for any reason, we'd ask you to come forward as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.